All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. It arms You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network podcast and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What a Steals, cutting in, shoots, Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello.
Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order at Zephyr Epic. Zephyr Epic has you covered on all of your trading card needs, whether that be the hockey cards, the Yu-Gi-Oh cards, the basketball cards, the football cards. They have got you covered. And folks, the new Upper Deck series is out. The NHL Upper Deck Series 1 packs are out. Go check those out at ZephyrEpic.com. Z-E-P-H-Y-R. Epic. Check them out on all platforms. Guess what I just bought? What you buy? Speaking of cards, I just bought this off of eBay because, unfortunately, you can't buy the uh, jungle version of Pokemon cards anymore, unfortunately. It's too bad. And you know what? Actually, I don't even think this is jungle. It might be fossil. But I bought a Shiny Dragonite 1999 card. The original Dragonite. I believe it's a fossil card. My favorite Pokemon, and I bought one on eBay the other day. Your favorite Pokemon is Dragonite? Yep. That's a conversation for another day. So What's go wrong check with out. Dragonite? He's got hype, the strongest hyper beam you've ever seen. You have Charizard right there. You yeah, literally just picked Charizard. the second best dragon type Pokemon. Actually, Charizard's not a dragon type. Okay, did anyways. you know that? Yeah, I did. Anyways. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Zephyr Epic. Go check them out. Z-E-P-H-Y-R. Epic on all platforms. We're also delivered to you. Well, hold on. Where does oh, Zephyr wow. Epic deliver from? I can't Plus? believe I forgot that. Well, you threw me off with your Dragonite, your crap Pokemon. Talk. He's not a crap Pokemon. He's a big, strong man. Dragonite is not a man, first of all. He's a big, strong dragon. Meninist Chris Faber strikes again. Oh, my again. gosh. All right. You know where DoorDash, or not DoorDash, Jeez, got, you know where Zephyr Let Epic- me handle this, let me handle this. Zephyr Epic ships free anywhere in Canada on any order over $50 from... From Richmond to Richie Bucto. What? That's New Brunswick. Wow. Richie Bucto. Richie, how's that spelled? Richie Bucto. Wow. Richmond to Richie Bucto. Unbelievable. Okay, so from Richmond to Richie Bucto, Zephyr Epic ships free on any order Canada-wide. Over fifty dollars to go check them out. Follow them: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch. Zephyr Epic, Z E P H Y R Epic. We're also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong! Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital D's, all one word. CONVODD. That will get you twenty five percent off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. So, folks, if you haven't done it already, or if you've got multiple emails, sign up for DoorDash. Use our promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital D, all one. Word. That's the thing. You spend 20 bucks, boom, five bucks off right there. There you go. My name is David Cotrelli. I'm joined, as always, by the man who built the place. I won't even say doing his best impression of a traffic cone because that is a very cool shirt that you're wearing. I know you're going to post it on Twitter. It's a very nice one. Yes. So I'm not even going to say doing his best impression of a traffic cone. It is an orange shirt, but it is an indigenous-themed shirt, which yes. is very nice. I like the design a lot. Yeah, raising money for a great cause. And uh, I'll, I'll post about this on Twitter a little bit later. friend of mine. Uh, with just, I think it's it's very cool indigenous art on the shirt. It's the orange shirt that I'll be wearing. Uh, Canucks doing indigenous night, I believe, on the thirtieth of March this year as well. A very cool logo, and you flip it upside down. It's 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 a multifaceted logo. I'm going to post it on Twitter later on. My friend Chris made this logo. It's his picture of his mom on the front. Great stuff. Uh, salmon eagle. Uh, not sure what the last animal is actually, but a salmon and eagle for sure of the three animals. I got a Love question it. for you. I got a question for you. Have you ever met? Somebody named Chris that you didn't like. Yeah, but it wasn't spelled C-H-R-I-S. Oh, yeah. You told me this story. It's Chris's with other names like C-R-I-S or K-R-I-S. Those Chris's you don't trust. You don't trust those. No, but C-H-R-I-S never met a bad one. I had this conversation with someone recently. I can't remember who it was, but we were talking about it. They're like, Because I was talking about you. They're like, oh, yeah, Chris is so nice. I was like, yeah. And 
You're like, have you ever met a bad Chris? And I was thinking in my head, I'm like, no. Like well, it, it would be like meeting a David that has D A V E D. Like oh, if their name yeah. was like, I don't think that's a thing, but it would be like meeting someone like that. Oh, I wouldn't you know, trust that person. Have you ever met a nice Damien? Cause I haven't, I've met three Damien's all horrible. I don't think I've met a Damien before. Sorry to the one person named Damien who's listening to this, but yeah, dude, first of all, kid, speaking of the one person listening to this last week on the show, I mentioned Gene from A and W. I had someone DM me, said that they worked with Gene in 2006, 2007 <laughs> for a couple of years, and they said everything I said was bang on about Gene from A&W. I couldn't believe that I got the DM that my Gene from A&W in Woodgrove Mall in Nanaimo, where I used to work and manage that A&W, I can't believe that reference hit with somebody. That was unbelievable. My favorite DM like this year. Oh, that's amazing. That is so funny. All right. We'll jump right into the Canucks talk here because the Canucks have signed their first college free agent, not even college, junior free agent forward. And this is something that Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford talked a lot about is signing these free agents to really bolster that prospect pool. So tell us, tell us about this player who we both got told the name of last night from some random DM and neither of us tweeted it, but go ahead. Tell us. Yeah, I wasn't, man, I tell you what, I'll tell you, Thursday night, I was busy with agents, like 10 different agent conversations going on. I got a lot. We'll get, I got stuff to get into later on the show. But hey, everyone looks at the WHL this year and they're like, look at this Connor Bedard kid, right? Connor Bedard, number one pick in the 2023 draft. Huh, really? Because he's got less points this year than Arshdeep Baines does, who's a left winger playing for Red Deer. He's got 30 goals and 52 assists in 82 games. Excellent signing from from the Canucks. You are you have just signed the leading scorer from the WHL to come play for what is going to likely be the Abbotsford Canucks. I'll tell you what, th- this player once his season's over with Red Deer, I think Baines can hop right into that lineup. Like he is one of if not the best forwards in the WHL right now for exactly what skill level they're playing at. I know he's an older age than Connor Bedard. He's not going to be Connor <laughs> Bedard, but this is a guy who's outpacing guys like Logan Stankoven or Canucks Hansel like this. Baines has more points than Dylan Gunther, who could have been drafted by the Vancouver Canucks if they didn't make the trades, but we won't rehash that. Baines has more points than him. He's played excellent this season he's a guy who is a you know a, a power play specialist uh bigger body at like six foot one and he's had a great season he's really earned this contract so i'm excited that the canucks were able to sign the local kid from surrey nice local kid coming to play i'm expecting to see him out in abbotsford once red deer season's over red deer is a very good team they're likely to go on a deep run in the whl playoffs but after that give me some banes man local kid this is what i like with abbotsford i I heard this the other day on 650. It was like they do their overrated, underrated thing. All right. It's, I don't know, some segment. It's not a great segment if you ask me, but it's a segment that they got there. And they asked about the outs for Canucks. And think of it from like, I think we do a really good job, quads, covering the AHL. And by we, I mean me. But we cover the AHL team in depth here on this show. And I think a lot of people out of the market, I do think it's underrated how good things have been running out there in the AHL, whether it be signing hometown kids, what the reaction from the crowd has been like out there in Abbotsford. It's excellent. I I think another local kid coming to that group is just going to do wonders for the Abbotsford Canucks. And you hope that there's an NHL future with this kid in our Steve Baines. You think that a top score in the WHL, maybe he needs to change his game a little bit. Maybe he's one of those type of players where, yeah, they scored a lot in junior, but if they're going to play in the NHL, they need to learn how to be a bottom six player. I hope that our Steve Baines has a chance to do that. And I think it's going to start with him out in Abbotsford. 
would not be surprised to see him immediately jump into a middle six role out in Abbotsford. 30 goals, 52 assists through 55 games this season. Two hat tricks on the year for him. I was about to say that because I watched every game this kid's played. You don't you you couldn't name one other player on Red Deer. Yeah, I can. Red Deer Rebels is his team. Christopher Setoff, defenseman, okay. is one I know. Obviously, I know the goaltenders. Ben Chase, King. How about Ben King? He's been ripping I know it Ben up King, too. of course. Come on. I'm the biggest Ben King fan there is. Right. I'm looking at I don't at believe their, any of this. Cole Lind's little brother, Callan Lind. Yeah, Callan Lind. I'm looking at their roster. What is it, 2024 draft, I think? He's, he's a lot of hype around Cole Lind's little brother. He broke a lot of Saskatchewan records. 26 points through 50 games this year. Okay. Is there anything else you want to add? Like, what, what is this player going to bring to the table? Is he fast? Is he, does he hit a lot? Like, Quick, what does he good do? hands. He's, like I said, I think he's one of those players where you always hear about a guy that needs to change his game. He might have a nice little scoring touch as a fourth-line player down the road. Listen, he, he doesn't project to jump into the Canucks' top six anytime soon, but you hope that he can fit in at the AHL. That's going to be the first question. I think that's something that I talk about a lot more, and I think what I've learned from just watching prospects. Listen, two years ago, I thought every prospect was going to be a top-six player. But to me, you need to see them consistently prove themselves. He's obviously proved himself at the WHL level. He's the top scorer in the WHL. Now he needs to prove himself at the AHL level. And if he can do that, the next step is the NHL. So really good step forward for the Canucks. A great local signing. Pumped about Baines. I can't wait to see him out now. It's for those beautiful green jerseys. Likely going to be a month or six weeks or so until we see that. Drunk for Baines. Wait, when you say month, you mean him coming to the team? Yeah, before, like he's he'll be there this year, Okay, which is exciting. Like People will wonder about Carlson, uh, Linus Carlson I'm talking about over in Sweden. Ricard Hug is another example, maybe a free agent who signs. Uh, I do think that like Baines is going to play this year for the Canucks once his season's over. And, and it will depend how deep Red Deer goes. I don't know if Red Deer is the favorite to come out of the WHL for the Mem Cup this year, but we'll have to see what happens. I think we'll see him at some point this year. Okay. All right. In Abbotsford. Big show today. We wrapped up the RC Baines talk, which is great. We have an interview with Daily Faceoffs Frank Saravalli. We'll get to that right now on the well, other side. Let's well, the first thing we talk about is Connor Garland. Where is you bring up this? I haven't seen this. Are people saying Connor Garland's overpaid? No, so it was it was Pierre Lebrun, the athletics uh Pierre Lebrun was tweeted out that an NHL executive said to him that the Canucks need to trade Garland. He's overpaid. And immediately Canucks fans kind of looked at this and said, well, this is clearly posturing from an NHL executive that would like to get their hands on Connor Garland. It is saying like, oh, you know what? You guys need to trade him and, and look at that. I'll be a savior. I'll be a good pal. I've got enough cap space for him. I'll take him off your hands. I don't think that's actually a thing that's held around the league. And, you know, it's Saravalli's first answer is he hasn't heard that from anybody. And it's it's preposterous, which is why Stefan Roger... Uh, Here we go. Wrote it at Canucks Army. He is, you know morning. what? You say Stefan Roger more than Drant says Florida Panthers on this show. Well, yeah, because I, I really like Stefan. Stefan's really good at what he does. We Hello. Could, thank you for calling Thomas Drant. I was going to say we could call Drant, but he's probably busy again. Yeah, he's going to put us to voicemail once again. That's too bad. Well, you know who didn't put us to voicemail? Our guest, Frank Saravalli, who obviously is a better insider than Thomas Drant. He does, Trance doesn't even pick up his phone. So let's get to our conversation now with Frank Saravalli of Daily Faceoff. All right, guys, joining us now from Daily Faceoff, you know him, Frank Saravalli. Frank, how are you doing so far? I'm good, guys. What's going on? Uh, just counting down the days till trade deadline. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sure it's the busiest time of year for you. And obviously, we have a lot of stuff to get into with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Quads, I know you got all the questions lined up there. Why don't you get us started here? 
Okay, so Frank, the first thing, obviously we're going to get to the trade deadline stuff, but something that happened yesterday, we saw someone say, an executive, an NHL executive say through a reporter that Connor Garland is overpaid and the Canucks need to move him. Is this actually a sentiment that's shared around the league or is this just an executive that would like to get their hands on Connor Garland? I have never heard that ever. I was I would say just having heard it and seen it for the first time since you said it, my initial reaction is Connor Garland is perfectly paid. He's not overpaid, he's not underpaid, he's perfectly paid. He's on track for what, twenty three goals, something like that? Like what more do you want from this guy that especially at the beginning of the season when things were going in the wrong direction, he was you know, maybe him and JT Miller, they were the one guy sort of dragging the Canucks into the fight. He plays way bigger than his size. He's versatile. Like, I can't imagine that at four nine five, anyone's really complaining about Connor Garland and his captain. Yeah, and you see what he does at five on five. Not a lot of power play time. It's it's we and I think we had an article today at Canucks Army talking about him being the best five on five player. He's the type that. You know, I'd love to get your opinion on this, Frank. Connor Garland, like, into the playoffs, he's kind of a guy who likes to get under people's skin. Do you think there's another level to what Garland can bring in the playoffs? I do. Um, I I don't know why he's such a polarizing player in the league because I think in some ways people still scout by tape measure. They still evaluate by tape measure, and that shouldn't be the case. Um, like I said, he plays way bigger than his size. He, his heart is obviously way bigger. And yet teams still like to be critical. I, you know, going back to last year's deadline and, and even before the draft, I, I had talked to some executives from around the league and, you know, some people were interested, some weren't. And, and one term, one executive said, and I, I've mentioned this before on, on Sportsnet Radio that the one criticism of Connor Garland is, oh, this guy gets dwarf tossed. Mm. That's the exact quote that someone used. And I was like, I've watched a lot of Connor Garland play. He's, I've never seen that. Like, yeah, he, he may be tiny by NHL standards, but it's never really affected him. And his going back to his entire career, you know, playing junior hockey and minor hockey with Jack Eichel, outscoring him one year in Boston for the junior Bruins. He's, he's produced at every level he's ever played at. And that includes the NHL. Like he's on track to, you know, to beat last season and set new career highs in, in goals and points. Like, I don't know. I don't know why there'd be any complaints. Frank, from one winger to another, Brock Besser here. A lot of conversation around him in the trade deadline. I know he's kind of lived in your top 10 for the past couple of lists that you've put out. Do you still think he's going to live in that top 10 for trade targets as we approach here with 10 days left? I do. I think they're at a crossroads, um, and maybe this playoff chase changes it. I still think the math is pretty daunting for the Canucks to get in. Um, but they've certainly tried and made the effort. And I think the fact that we're even having this conversation sure beats the alternative. If you're in Vancouver based on really how the year started and how dire the situation was in November, um, before the changes were made with, um, with Jim Benning at the top going and including Travis green and everyone else in the front office. And 
I just think if you truly are looking for salary cap flexibility, which the Canucks have stated is their number one goal, Brock Besser is one of the only real outlets or escape valves or pressure release valves to do that. It's not so much for his current contract. It's what's the next one going to look like with that qualifying offer, you know, with the term that would probably be required to sign him. um, I just, I don't know that the Canucks management group is convinced that he's the right player, the right fit for that cap hit. And so if that's the case, clearly there's some other teams around the league that view him as having that ability or, or being a better fit there, then maybe that makes sense to make a, make a trade. I think the one key thing to point out is really just timing yeah. that it doesn't have to happen. Now the Canucks have said they're not under pressure and if they're not, and I don't believe they are, then it's certainly something that could wait until, you know, June or July, you know, when there's p- the potential to have more teams involved if you feel like you really have to trade it. And I think that's the interesting. You talked about the cap flexibility that this management group wants. I think the reason they would like that flexibility is to kind of, you know, shift around some pieces from forward to defense. And that might be something that could be returned in a trade for Brock Besser. Do you think that that's what the Canucks are looking for? Are they looking for a defenseman or is it strictly just to like get that money off the books, get yourself some prospects and some picks? Well, if you could do that and get the defenseman in the deal, of course. But if not, take the increased flexibility, take the assets you get and then flip that for the defenseman you're looking for. I don't know that it's a kill two birds with one stone and one transaction, but I think they'd like to try and do that. Absolutely. I think the question I guess I have as well, and you would know this a lot more than a lot of people, especially when it comes to trades, what would be the value difference at the deadline for Brock Besser compared to what we see in the summer? Is there going to be much of a difference or like, uh, you know, cause you get him for the playoff run and then you can try and sign him. But if you're going for it in the summer, you know, I think both ways you are looking to sign Besser if you're the team trading for him, but is there a difference in value if you trade him at the deadline compared to the summer? Probably not, not, not in my eyes. I mean, the increased playoff run, maybe a little bit, but not, not really. And I could see non-playoff teams being involved in Brock Besser at the deadline for that reason, is they want to try and get ahead of the market. Now, Frank, the big concern on Canucks fans' mind is that they're selling Brock Besser at a low point. That qualifying offer is going to plummet his value. Do you get the sense that that's going to be the case, or are the Canucks going to get full value for Brock Besser? Well, what is full value, first off? And second, I don't think they'd be selling at a low just because he's played really well um, under Bruce Boudreaux, and he's produced. So if, if you were to say, hey, we were trading Brock Besser, and it was, I don't know, November 15th, mm-hmm. I'd say, yeah, you're trading at probably the lowest value that you probably could. But his numbers have bounced back. He's been one of the most productive Canucks under Bruce Boudreaux. And it's interesting just because, you know, you go back to his first day on the job and Bruce Boudreaux right away saying, we want to get Brock Besser going. He's one of my first targets, first, you know, concerns. Yeah. And he's done it. Like he, he's gone ahead and, and found a way to do it uh, right from the very first game, going and assist. 13 goals now in 30 games, 24 points in 30 games. So I don't believe that they'd be selling low. And the qualifying offer is a concern. But 
maybe if the Canucks are in a position where they can increase their value in a trade by once they get to the final pieces of it, allowing the acquiring team to negotiate before a trade is consummated is the other part of it that people don't Mm. necessarily think about that they could say, Hey, treat it as if you're getting Brock Besser signed because we're giving you the ability to speak to his agent and Ben Hankinson beforehand. That's a possibility. I don't know why that wouldn't be a possible. Yeah. I think it has to be on the table. And I think the two teams that you mentioned, like non-playoff teams, what could be interested as well, because they're getting him on that contract. The two names that we've heard a lot is the Devils and the Penguins. Two teams in very different situations. Obviously, one going into the playoffs and trying to make that final push. And it sounds like the Penguins are going to be pretty active. Are those the two names that you're kind of hearing as well in rumors with Brock Besser? Is there another team that might be in the mix? Those are two of the teams that I've heard. Um, I haven't heard others. I'm sure there are others that would be in the mix. I think... You hear Ron Hextall speak on Friday about his interest in trying to add another piece up front to, to beef up that forward group and add some more depth. Uh, you see Kasperi Kapanen trending towards a healthy scratch on Friday. Um, I, you know, I, I would think it would make some sense for the Penguins also in a way that he could really be insurance for Brian Russ should Russ end up leaving? And Russ has been north of a point-per-game guy in, in a bit of an injury-shortened season, but has been really impressive when he's played, that I think could make a lot of sense. Um, you know, it's maybe a little harder to put together from a New Jersey perspective in terms of the pieces, but, you know, I think they're a team that historically has expressed interest in Brock Besser and I believe was actually pretty close to pulling off a trade for Brock Besser, you know, in the past. JT Miller. That's the other name, Frank. And the market seems to have cooled. I figured we'd get there. Yeah, exactly. It only took 10 minutes. Yeah, exactly. The market seems to have cooled, but not because teams are no longer interested, just because he's played so well and teams aren't able to ask to match the Canucks asking price. Do you have any sense of, a, what that asking price is, and B, what the Canucks want to do with JT Miller, or are they still deciding? It would be massive. And I don't think they know. I don't think they've set a price. I don't think they've actively considered anything. I think when you know Jim Benning was first sort of getting his feet wet, not Jim Benning, I should say Jim Rutherford. I'm getting my gyms confused. <laughs> In January, before really making the hire with Patrick Alvine, and I think there was lots of talk right around the holidays, and I think teams were actively calling, which is why J.C. Miller began to pop up more. And, and I think in some ways at the moment, Jim Rutherford was considering making a move, considering making a trade involving J.C. Miller. Teams were beating down his door. But with how well he's played, how much of a driver he's been for this team, I don't think they have the option to trade him. He's, he's simply, you, you can't get the value that's equal in return. Not only that, but the additional year at that contract, that price is such a bargain that if, you're, if your mandate and your mission is really to try and turn this team around in, in short order for next season as a quick retool, if you're trading J.T. Miller, unless the, the, the deal is an absolute home run, you're probably setting yourself back on that front every single time. 
So that has to be considered. And I think the Canucks have considered it. And, you know, if they're going to be creating salary cap flexibility, why trade someone that gives you the ultimate flexibility? Because what's the absolute worst case scenario? You go through and not trade JT Miller. You keep him into next season and your team hasn't taken a step forward and is not a playoff team next year and he's not re-signed, well, then you could just trade him at next year's deadline. And I don't think that the the price, the, the opportunity cost for the Canucks to do that is going to be all that different than if they were to trade him now. And I think that a lot of Canucks fans wonder about this, you know, this hero deal that could potentially, you know, force a trade for JT Miller to happen. And the, the thing that Quads and I have been discussing on a couple of the last podcasts are, hey, if you get in that final week, and say that deal isn't going to come down unless maybe the Canucks retain a little bit of money. Would that change anything and bring down that massive offer if there was retention? Because, I mean, you mentioned it. JT Miller at 525 is a steal. But if you're a team that's going for the Stanley Cup this year and next year, and you can get JT Miller at, say, $4 million or 4.5 with the Canucks holding on to a million or you know 750k, would that change? Would that get kind of the, the last push to maybe get the hero deal coming in? I doubt it. I mean, for the Canucks, like, why would you want to hold on to money on such a bargain contract? I guess like the enticement to do that, it would be, yeah. But like, what are like, what are we really talking about? I guess like taking uh, like next year, uh, like just historically. So to so just to play devil's advocate for you, like historically, (laughs) to retain one point two million or one point three million, which is what the Red Wings did last year on the Savard deal that got them a fourth round pick additionally. Yeah. Like wait, much. I don't think that it moves the needle enough to like, to make you say, Hey, let's do it. I think looking at it with JT Miller though, to think that you can get a top 10 score at four and a half, like that to me is, is ridiculous for a team to think about. And if, if I'm the Colorado Avalanche and you're looking to, you know, potentially even just replace Nazem Kadri's 4.5, if you get JT Miller at 4.5 next year, that's what I'm wondering if maybe pushes them over the limit to say, you know, new hooks in there, first round picks in there, maybe Bowen Byer on one of the right D's that they have in college. Like that's kind of the way that I'm looking at it. If you were to retain a little bit, because I don't think the Canucks are really going to be cup competitors next year. And I think this management group does have a look into the long term where, yeah, if you eat a little bit of money this year and next year, it's not really going to change things for you that much. But down the road, if you can get that massive deal because of that retention, that's the way that I'm kind of looking at it, Frank. Yeah, I just don't see it. Hmm. Tyler Mott. That's the other name. And that's the one that I think we can all agree the Canucks probably have to make the biggest decision on, Frank. If you're the, the Canucks, only decision, really. Exactly. Yeah. If you're the Canucks... What's your decision? Are you, are you moving this guy? And keep in mind, third place in the Pacific is all of a sudden starting to look a lot more attainable because of the Robin Lehner injury, which we'll get to if we have some time. But what are you doing with Tyler Mott? I guess the question is, what's it going to cost to keep him? Yeah. Like, what's the number that you're realistically comfortable spending on a guy that's a fan favorite, a line driver in a bottom six role, but knowing that it's probably only and exclusively a bottom six role. What, like you tell me, you tell me the number and I'll tell you what they should do. So that's the thing is it's been thrown around a lot, right? And it was our poll question on our last episode. And we've kind of landed on, 
if it's two and a half to three mil, it's too much. But if you can get him on a four year deal around like two point two or even less than that three year deal, I think that's what you're do- that's not too much. But what do you think of that number? Yeah, I was gonna say maybe four times two. That gives him the security of the extra year, maybe mm. at, at the fourth year. That maybe makes it a bit more palatable. Um, I would probably keep him at that point, four times two. Yeah, I think so as well. I think that the comparable out there. I know you threw it out there at two point five, something like that. We've heard two point seven five, and that it just feels a little steep. I'm wondering what the market is on a guy like Tyler Mott, who's making you know one point six or whatever it is. He's a guy who isn't going to really change your lineup that much, but he's sure going to add a boost to your fourth line if that's where you're putting him. What kind of return do you think there might be for Tyler Mott if he is traded? Yeah, I think it could be something in the neighborhood of a third-round pick. So that's the other part of the calculus. Is like Third-round pick, does that do it enough for you to maybe take a little bit of juice out of your playoff chase? Yeah. What do you think? I mean, for a third round pick, it's going to be tough, but I, it's funny because like I, I've heard a lot of people and, and you kind of mentioned it actually in your first answer was like a lot of people look at him as just a fourth line player, but it feels like that's not the feeling internally from the Canucks or from at least Mott's camp either. It's that he's a guy who drives a line in your bottom set, kind of like what you said earlier. So how different and off do you think people are from saying that of him being a fourth line player? Because it just feels like that's not exactly what Tyler Mott is. Yeah, and I was going to say that when you mentioned plugging him into a fourth, you know, fourth line role, but the truth is on a contending team, a really good roster, that's what he is. Mm-hmm. On the Canucks, he's more than that cuz they're they're not as deep. So I I don't know that it's a totally unfair assessment. Um, but I know that that's sort of a type of notion that they would try and bump up against in t- in terms of asking for that type of payday mm-hmm. that you know, this guy does all these different things for you. And by the way, the penalty killing aspect of it should probably be noted on a team that really needs penalty killers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good point. Hey, hey, final one before we let you go here, Frank, Yaroslav Halak, what's, what's the latest here? Cause we're hearing people say that he is willing to wave. He's not willing to wave. The Canucks could obviously use that bonus off of their books and they have a goalie in the AHL right now is Spencer Martin, who showed well in his couple little stint in the NHL. And I think that they want to see if he can be the backup next year. What's the latest with Halak? Well, I think it'd be wise for him to consider moving the no, waving the no move should the Canucks ask. I know the Canucks have been trying. They've been making calls, and I think their hope was to get to a point where they had a deal that materialized that they could then convince Yaroslav Halak to agree to. But the truth is, at his age, at 36, turning 37, um, his game hasn't been very good this season, especially the last three games for the Canucks. I don't think that's any secret. And he's not coming back to Vancouver. So, you know, it'd be a different story if they were saying, hey, we'd like to re-sign you. But in this case, he needs he's playing for his next deal. Yeah. He's got to get to a place where he can play a bit better to showcase himself to get that next contract, which is why I think it's in his best interest to be able to or to accept waiving the no move. Um, the bonus part is is a big part of it, though, for the Canucks because they'd love to either clear enough cap space to the point where they could, you know, chew up that full 1.25 bonus that's due to Halak. The other part of it is if there's a team that's interested that has some salary cap flexibility, 
the way that this bonus, I believe, is written into his contract is that it's payable at the end of the year. So it can be negotiated at the trade table, the, the trade call that exists between the two teams and NHL Central Registry that says, hey, we're, you know, this team is responsible for this bonus and that's whose cap it will apply to. So there's some unique flexibility that exists. I think the Canucks would like to try and do everything they can to avoid starting next season with an overage. And, you know, it would revo- it would involve clearing out a legit contract between now and then um, to, to make something like that happen. So probably a bit of a long shot. Mm-hmm. And, and in some ways, they might have to pay to get a team that has a lot of cap space to take him uh, just to get that off their books and, and to have them eat up that bonus instead of having an overage for next year. Absolutely. Well, lots to consider. Ten days away from the deadline. Really appreciate you taking some time for us here, Frank. And uh, I know you got a busy rest of the day and a probably busy ten days. So uh, have fun over the next ten days, Frank. Always a pleasure, guys. Be well. And before we go any further into the episode, want to give a shout out to Parallel 49 Brewing. You guys can find Parallel 49 Beer all across BC and Alberta. And right now we want to give a quick shout out to the Unparalleled Pack featuring four of the P49 favorites. The Trash Panda, the Filthy Dirty, the Jerkface 9000, and the Hillbilly Ninja. My favorite of the four there, the Jerkface 9000, the Pink Can. Something good about those cans there at Parallel 49. So go out and try them. You can find them in most liquor stores across BC and Alberta. All right. And a massive thank you to all of our sponsors here at the Canucks Conversation Podcast. Chris, it's time for our poll question. Our episode 245 poll question brought to you by Atlas Goods. Folks, you've heard us talk about them already. We see so many people ordering these. Man, we're, we're taking over the world with the pork rind game here because... Atlas Goods has got you covered with their pop rinds, folks. It's like nothing you've ever seen before. These are not the pork rinds that you find in the grocery store. Go to atlasgds.com and use promo code CC15 to get 15% off your first order. Folks, these are the absolute best fresh pork rinds that you can get. They come straight out of your air fryer or your microwave. They are a great snack, high in protein, I might add. That's why I like them so oh, much. I, I heard if you're going wild, and this is what Charlie Charlie Coyle Charlie Cole texted in, not Charlie Coyle the I was player. Say Charlie, Charlie Cole. Coyle. No, Charlie Cole uh, had a tweet here. Uh, dip it in a little hell of a good dip. Well, French I, onion. I, I tell you, that's a lot of flavor there. I've seen a lot of people with different conversations. They're like, no, put it in vinegar. I saw that one too. Yeah, salt Appa- vinegar. Apparently, uh, it was Leo. Leo tweeted us. Leo yep. Reyes tweeted us and said, "Us Filipinos, us Filipinos do. do vinegar." So. I know what I'm trying later. So go check out atlasgds.com. Get yourself some pop rinds. Send us a picture of it. We've got so many people. I personally, I put the pretzel sticks in with it. Oh, that's a delicious snack. Greg uh, Greg and Lad Wasson, which is, I think, is that a Burquitlam feeling? That's a Ladner and Tawasson? Yeah, no clue. I've never heard about that. That's an interesting one. Um, he's got them as well. And here's what I don't understand. What's this? What's it? What's it? They deliver it the day of, like somebody yes. tweeted that they ordered it in the morning. They got it the afternoon. <laughs> what, what the hell? Faster than Amazon what, prime. Are, are pigs flying and delivering <laughs> this thing? Like, what the hell's going on? I don't know what Atlas is doing for the delivery, but the day of delivery, that's wild. Yeah. Folks, if you order before 3 PM, you that's get it? same day delivery before 3 PM. <laughs> if you're in the lower mainland. Yes, right. of course. Yeah, but uh, give them the promo code one more time. I can't. Believe that's, that's CC fifteen. So CC fifteen gets you fifteen percent off your first order. Send us a picture. The pork rinds are hot, folks. 
They're hot right now. Right out of the deep or air fryer. I mean. The air fryer. And everybody's sending us pictures of it. We love to see it. All right, let's get to the bowl question, Chris. How many points are needed to call this a successful seven-game homestand? Option How'd one, I do there? No, uh, no spelling mistakes? No, you did great. Good. As far as I could tell. Nine, 10, 11, and as always, excuse me, I'm angry. I say 11. You know what I was about to put in there is I am buzzed up because quads. We had two coffee. We had a normal coffee and a nice coffee before we started this show. And I can hear it in your voice. You are not last last episode. You're falling asleep. This point in the episode, you're don't zoning out. Basically a useless co-host. Yep. But now you've got two coffees in you. Yeah. And you I'm got some up. energy. I can someone, hear it. Someone, te- someone tweeted me and said, why are you in such a rush to close it out? Uh, yeah, because I was falling asleep. Yeah. Now you're two coffees deep. I can see it. You're buzzing. I'm fired up. I'm fired All up. Right, let's this, get is, to the this is what people expect when they hear us on the podcast, especially me. I'm usually fired up, right? By the way, thanks to Frank Cervelli. I didn't say that. Uh, oh, yeah. back. Thanks, Frank. All right. Keep going. Yeah, we appreciate Frank Cervelli joining us. Okay. How many points are needed to call a successful seven-game homestand? Right, now you got to breathe a little bit. Nine, 10, 11. Oh, and go. as always, I'm angry. Chris, I say 11. 11? Say, yeah. Well, they've already got two, right? They've already mm-hmm. got two. There's 14 possible points. On this homestand, they've already knocked down two. Chris, the playoff conversation right now around this team is no longer, let's see if they can get into a wild card spot. Because of the NHL playoff structure and what's happened to Vegas, and folks, if you haven't heard already, we were, we didn't end up getting to it with Saravalli. Vegas is 4-5-1 and one in their last 10. They've lost two straight, and they just lost Robin Lehner who is seen on crutches. He may need surgery. That is not good for the Vegas Golden Knights, folks. Like, they are missing Mark Stone, and I would be surprised if he doesn't come off LTIR. I don't know how they're going to get those cap savings, but they have a few options to get there and reactivate Mark Stone, but Vegas isn't looking good right now. Like, they play the Penguins, the Blue Jackets, the Jets, the Panthers, the Kings, the Minnesota Wild, then the Jets again, and then the Predators. The next, like, quote-unquote bad team they play isn't until March 26th when they play the Blackhawks and then the Kraken for two two straight games after that. Then they play the Canucks back-to-back. This is going to be close, folks. This is not going to be, uh, oh, Vegas is Vegas is so banged up, they're, they're going to they're gonna lose, like... They may lose some more games, but they're they're a pretty deep team. Like they're going to win some games here. It's yeah, not going to be you know a cakewalk to third place. The Canucks need every win that they can get at this point in time because, folks, Anaheim is right behind them, and the Canucks have two games in hand on Anaheim. But the Oilers—that's the team that it looks like the Canucks are going to have to beat for that third place spot in the Pacific. Right now, it looks like a three horse race. They're no longer going for the wild card spot. That's going to be locked down by two central division teams. Obviously, the Dallas Stars and the National Predators sitting with 67 and 70 points. Again, the Dallas Stars have only played 56 games at the time of this recording, so they have games in hand on the Vancouver Canucks. This is a conversation about who's going to get third in the Pacific, and we can maybe, yeah, let's talk about it after, what that means for who the Canucks' potential playoff matchup is, because right now it's a race between the Canucks, the Oilers, and the Golden Knights for third in the Pacific. Jeez, coffee's working. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Vegas Golden Knights, I, I think they have a pretty easy schedule to finish off the season, actually. I think that there's two games against Seattle, two games against Chicago, Yes, it, Arizona. Well, hold on. It's easy once you hit the end of March, but what I just said, right. that's not an easy schedule. Like Maybe the Blue Jackets are easy, but the Panthers, the Jets, the Kings, the Wild, those are not those are no cakewalk. Yeah, and they play Florida. They play the Flames. They do have a, a lot of games remaining that are kind of tough. But if you look at it like strength of schedule points wise, the Vegas Golden Knights have the sixth 
easiest remaining schedule. And the Canucks have the tenth. Yeah, it, you know Vegas has two games against the Islanders too. That's a team that you can piss pound pretty bad lately. Well, uh, don't forget, like, don't forget the impact. Like Laurent Persuan, Surrey native, shout out Surrey. He's a fine backup. But man, he's he's their starter. Right sure. Now. And the Canucks remaining schedule. Canucks have two against Arizona still. The Canucks still have one against uh, Ottawa, Buffalo, well, Seattle. Arizona's no slouch, apparently. Okay, well, come on now. <laughs> you see that goal that went in? Uh, I did. On Mrazic? Yes, I did. I saw that same goal go in the other the other week at an Abbotsford Canucks game when the eight-year-olds were playing. <laughs> and, and I'm not even joking. Someone, I felt bad for the goalie. Somebody shot it from center ice, and the goalie just missed it with a stick. He's an eight-year-old kid. And he just missed it with the stick, and it went underneath the stick right into the net. You got to get the pads behind it there, boys. Ian Clark was seen berating oh, the goal. I could see San- Sanford just slamming his, his <laughs> notepad down. He was pissed. Uh, well, hold on a sec. Talk about the homestand here. Hold on. In the Tim Hortons mini game or whatever they do at uh, the midway point, there was one goalie that was just integrating to the post so well. And it was so funny because we were joking around. We here were we like, go. these goalies are usually not very good. Like, you know, they're kids. They're like six, seven, eight years old. They're just kids, right? But this goalie was like... You know, proper movement in the crease, and we were like, "Holy cow!" Like somebody, Clarky's gonna be like, "Get me that kid!" I was right say, now, it's probably Braden Clark or something like some <laughs> Justin Clark, whatever. All oh, right, man. I okay. think I don't think it's. I think you bring up a good point. We're recording this on Friday morning. We haven't seen what the Canucks have done against the Washington Capitals. Obviously, this weekend's huge. Washington and Tampa Bay, very two two very tough teams to go up against. Obviously, hmm. you I like I just look at this weekend and I say, "Hey, if you get." two points out of this that's big which makes it hard for me to see 11 it, to me it, the goal is 10 like 10 is successful if you get five wins and two losses or four wins two overtime and then one loss in regulation that's successful for me 10 points and i think looking at the final way you have to go here there's still 12 available points you already got those two locked up against montreal that's great now there's 12 remaining points you take away eight of those it's doable and it's big and successful for a playoff push to me. To me, it's 10. I, I get what you're saying. Like 11 is successful. And I put it in all caps. So maybe that's what you're leaning into. If they can get 11 points. Heck, if they can get 12 points out of this. These conversations about playoffs. Like it is kind of. It has been a wild run of like. How many games has it been since Boudreaux took over? I mean, 30, 40 games in that range. 35-ish. Like. It has been wild to see the Canucks get back into playoff contention. What has happened this year is remarkable. It is remarkable to see how far the Canucks have come from how low they were. They were one of the worst teams in the NHL. And this has been incredible to see them make this pushback. This, to me, is like at the level, if not more impressive than basically what the Blues have done. And obviously, the Canucks need to go. I don't think they're going. I'm not saying that, but the push that they've had. Listeners can't a see, but I just shot the most "Are you serious?" look at. I'm Chris. just saying, man. Like it is. St. Louis won the cup. This yeah. team's not winning a cup. No, but is <laughs> if the Canucks make the playoffs, we have a vote in it. Where's Bruce Boudreaux on your on your uh, vote this for is, coach of the year? This is BS. I found out we might not have a vote. We they, don't have one for they coach. Pick, they pick. Uh, they pick random people in each chapter oh, division. It's gonna be me then. Well. Maybe you're a first-year person. I always win draws, I tell you. <laughs> I haven't won a 50-50 in a while. I buy tickets every time I'm at Abbotsford. Yeah. That's where I'm not listening. I buy them at Canucks games, Vancouver Canucks games. I still buy them. I buy them online sometimes. I did it for the Super Jackpot the other day. But Abbotsford, that's where I'm going to win it. 
And I, I, every once in a while I tweet, I say, hey, if I win, we're going to lose. That's what that's the spot that I heard out there in Abbotsford. And everyone can come. Drinks on me. I'm willing to spend $3,000 of the 4000 that I win. We can have a night. Okay? We can go wild. We can get... We're drinking Hennessy. Okay? We're drinking the expensive wow. stuff if we go out there. Have you ever had Hennessy? No. Oh, man. First time I had Hennessy, I got it for Christmas one year, a bottle of it. We'll get back to this in a second. But... I couldn't believe how good Hennessy was. I literally felt like I was drinking like apple juice. Like it felt, it tasted like apple juice almost. And I love apple juice. I haven't had Hennessy since. I've only ever had one bottle in my life. And I barely remember what happened that night. But I do remember that the Hennessy was excellent. And I felt so cool walking around with a bottle of Hennessy. I don't even know how much they cost. I know what I got it from. Uh, my brother was in the states and got it for me pretty cheap in the states. So uh, I got to get down there and buy a bottle of Hennessy again. Get that feeling back in my life. I gotta try one of those. Never had it. We'll get you like a little. Uh, just the you can buy the little two shot bottles. Hmm. Probably only like fifty bucks. Wow, for two forty shots? bucks. I don't know. I don't know how much Hennessy costs. That's to be honest, ridiculous. I've never like. Yeah, I think like the the two six or whatever whatever size bottle that is. Do you kids nowadays call it a two six? Yeah, I've heard that term. Okay, I'm just wondering. I know terms. Yeah. Well, you young kids nowadays, I tell you, you guys don't know. Okay. No no bumping and grinding in the club. No bumping and grinding. Masks off now. Meninist Chris Faber is not happy with this. Oh, my gosh. Okay. The standings. So, like you said, Chris, we are recording this on a Friday, of course, and we don't know what the Canucks are going to do against the Washington Capitals just yet, but... This is a team right now who are, at the time of this recording, are 8-10 and in their last 10. Three-game win streak. This is a bigger conversation that I think we're going to have down the line, but Bruce Boudreau revealed that they have now delivered a plan to Thatcher Demko, and one would assume that that plan has been delivered to Yaroslav Halak. We don't know necessarily. Boudreau said publicly that he still believes in Halak, but I think the big question here, Chris, is does Ian Clark still believe in Halak? The bigger question is, does Yaroslav Halak still believe in Yaroslav Halak? Right? That is the big question here is, is Thatcher Demko going to get the wheels just played off him going up to a playoff race? Because, listen, if you play Thatcher Demko every game, and, and keep in mind, folks, this was something that was pointed out to me very recently. Thatcher Demko hasn't had a full night off, not one, in the calendar year of 2022. That is hard work. Yaroslav Halak has not been able to give Thatcher Demko a night off. If you are going to try to play Thatcher Demko every single game in order to get into the playoffs, but he breaks down or isn't feeling 100% going into the playoffs, was it really worth it? That's the question, right? Is How much can the, the Canucks afford to give up? by playing Yaroslav Halak and you know can they get wins with Yaroslav Halak in net the big question is can they afford to play Yaroslav Halak the Canucks have a plan in place hasn't been explicitly communicated yet to the media but it has been communicated to Thatcher Demko and something when I talked to Bruce Boudreaux about this that he kind of said was when I played Hiller in Anaheim and he played 32 games or whatever it was 32 straight starts he stopped practicing but Boudreaux also said that he's never seen anybody work like Demko that wants to put in the work like Demko. And, yeah. you know, Boudreaux said Demko's out half an hour before skaters I'll tell on you what, skates and practices. And Boudreaux said that most goalies he's had only go out 10, 15 minutes before. Sure. And this is something whenever you talk to Ian Clark, which I've done a lot of, obviously, every time you talk to Ian Clark, he says, our goalies need to be the hardest workers on our team. And I make sure they know that. It's interesting to me that Boudreaux says that Demko's the hardest worker. Like, obviously, he works hard in practice and everything. 
I'll tell you what, Jonas Hiller was likely working pretty damn hard doing 31 starts in a row. Like, I, I know that Demko needs to work a lot to kind of hone his craft so that he has good starts every time. But when you talk about a guy being such a hard worker, I do think there is a door that's open for Demko too. like, I don't think it would be shocking to see Thatcher Demko start every game on this homestand. No, I don't think it'd be shocking at all. Like, I, they have days off in between. They have the back to back to finish the homestand. I can like, and, and this is something that where we've heard Bruce already talk about him taking practices off, whatever he needs to do to get off. Like this to me is a spot where you can try to push it a little bit. And I think there could be some little bit of a worry for maybe long-term effect on him. Like, you know, we've seen goaltenders get overplayed and it really like, we've seen it around the league. I don't right want to say that it like ruined their careers, but we've seen goaltenders get overplayed and it's, very much impacted their careers. Like one season has, I don't know if it's, that's what goalies. It's so like, I don't know. Goalies are weird. And like, even just trying to like break them down over here. Cause like, how did Cam Talbot start 72 games one year and then become what he's become now where he was so important before did that 72 games change the outcome of his career? Uh, maybe like maybe, but it's to me, that seems strange that it would be possible to do that. And you know, Demko's obviously not going to get to 72, but playing one back-to-back in the season like am i wrong to demko hasn't played a back-to-back this year demko hasn't played a back-to-back in his career has he started a back-to-back but he's played multiple back-to-backs this year because yaroslav lot can't make a save and i think that's what like i think even i think just all the circumstances around it opens up the door wide open for me to see demko start all seven on this homestand even with the back-to-back to close out also Cam talbot was pretty good last year 915 save percentage. Not horrible. Not horrible. Not great. He didn't start 72, though. I'll tell you that. No, you're right. He did not start 72 games. Can't argue with you there. So, I guess my question to you, Chris, is if you're the Canucks, what's your plan look like for Thatcher Demko? Are you... Because, again, I asked Bruce Boudreau about this, is how do you manage this? And he said, he's like, I don't know. I lean on Clarkey for that. So, it's going to be kind of you're going to be relying on the goalie coach quite a bit to tell you when, hey, this guy needs a break, this needs to happen, this needs to happen. And it's not just about this guy needs a break or he's going to fall apart. It's about, hey, this guy needs to actually practice or he's not going to be the goalie that we've seen all year. Right, and that's the balance you need to find, right? And that's where these back-to-backs make it tough. I, I, I'm I, very confident that somebody who is the director of goaltending, whatever the heck Ian Clark's, you know, job title is, I think he's going to be very conscious of what is going to give you the best Thatcher Demko. So I have no worries about it. Like I I don't worry about the situation because I don't think that Ian Clark's going to make the wrong decision when it comes to goaltending. I'm that confident in the goaltending coach. Listen, people say how good of a goalie coach Ian Clark is at making his goaltenders just, I guess the way that they play become the most valuable part of Ian Clark. I think that also just goaltending in general, this is one of, if not the smartest goaltending mind in the world. I don't think that's a stretch to say, right? Like that is how the industry looks at Ian Clark. He is the smartest goalie mind in the world. I don't think that I'm worried about him making a decision about goaltending. Yeah, that's fair. Depends who you ask. <laughs> ask Yaroslav Halak. Let's see what he says. Ooh. Well, ask ask you. You'd be saying, yeah, he's smarter than everyone else combined pretty much, right? Your guy, Ian Clark. Ah, we'll see. Got to see what he does with Mikey DiPietro first. Well, that's that's Sanford's guy. That's Sanford's guy. Yeah, okay, we're not getting into this discussion on the podcast. But, yeah, you're right. Like, you know, if you have faith in anybody to make this call, it's Ian Clark, right? So 
that's kind of how we have to look at the situation right now. Because like you said, the Canucks have a back-to-back to close out the homestand. Obviously, Calgary and then Buffalo. Buffalo's rolling right now, too. Don't look now. All the but crappy the, teams are rolling. Arizona Coyotes, hottest team in hockey, baby. Like, unbelievable. They just knocked off the Leafs with some huge help from the refs. But four-game win streak for the Coyotes right now. And man, they've scored like... 22 goals in their last three games. Louis Erickson had a multi-point night the other night. Did he really? Yeah. Good for Louis. The king is back on the throne. The king is back on the throne. Too bad they're in the central division right now, though. Mm. That'd be nice if they were still in the Pacific. But they kind of got replaced with the Seattle Kraken. Canucks have another bad team that they can kind of feast on. True that. All right. Do you have anything else you want to add? Do you have any sort of prospect report today? Oh, come on. Of course, I got prospect stuff. Let's hear it. Can I? I'm going to start first because you got nothing else. No more Canucks talk. No, I've got a lengthy prospect report though. Well, go ahead then. No, no, you start. Okay, Abbotsford Canucks. Yeah, that's where I'm starting too. Go ahead. They are the hottest team in the AHL. They are the hottest team in the AHL. They're returning on Friday. Uh, So yeah, we're recording in the morning here on Friday. People will be able to see what happened in the game. Full expectation and hopefully uh, hopefully this is right because this is what I've heard for information is Jack Rathbone returned last night. If you're listening to this on Saturday, Rathbone back in the lineup on what is also not only the hottest team in the AHL, the hottest power play potentially in North American pro hockey. This team, this power play is hot. They had three power play goals the other day. They're they're running so hot. Number two in the league right now uh, for the season on their power play percentage, creeping up towards 25%. There's a lot of really good things going on with Abbotsford. They're about to return for some home games. If you're out in the Abbey area, you're out in the Fraser Valley, you know, put down the fishing rod. The sturgeon will still be there next week. You got to go go watch one of these Abbotsford Canucks games. They're going to be a blast. I'm going to try and get there as much as possible. I got called up to the freaking major leagues on Friday night here. Otherwise, I was going to be out of that game. I got to go cover the freaking Vancouver Canucks instead. But no, they're they're playing pretty good too, actually. But everything that's happening out there in Abbotsford is just great to watch. And that that is without Jack Rathbone. Now he's returning to the lineup. The goaltenders are both playing super good hockey. In Spencer Martin, who has just been excellent, a 946 save percentage quads, 946 over his last seven games. He got two shutouts over those seven games. He's playing excellent. Who's Igor Shesterkin? I've never heard of him. <laughs> Spencer Martin is the man out there in Abbotsford. Uh, Mikey DiPietro also playing some good hockey, playing good. Uh, a nice bounce back from what he had at the start of the year. Jet Wu's back in the lineup. A lot of exciting things out there uh, in Abbotsford, and it's a time to go watch these guys uh, with how hot they're playing. So Colorado in for this weekend. Check them out Sunday at 4 o'clock. Um, yeah, kind of a, if you have HL TV or the ability to watch, it's going to lead you right up. Doubleheader going right into the Tampa Bay game at 7. So a lot of fun stuff there out in Abbotsford. Lucas Forcell. Listen, the guy goes on a goal-scoring spree, right, in the SHL when he got his call up, and he gets sent back down to junior at the end of it. I don't know what happened there, but... They called him back up on Thursday. He went back to the SHL, which is good news for Forcell. Interesting little tidbit here. This is this is what I don't understand about it all. So they had him, they sent him back down to junior, but then they call him back up to the SHL, and the kid's on the first power play unit. What's he doing in junior the year like the week before? Doesn't make any sense at all there with Forcell. So um, nice to see him back in the SHL getting the opportunity and first power play. And if he's doing that this year, he's got two more years in the SHL on that contract. Really excited to see what he can do. And from what I'm hearing from industry sources about World Juniors and speaking with some prospect people who have some bigger followings than I do, 
I don't think they watch Forcell as much, but they got bigger followings. They're saying like Forcell's name's coming up more now about a world junior chance to play this summer. And that's really good if he plays this summer in the 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 retry, I guess, at the World Juniors from this past December. If he plays this summer, he's obviously going to play there in the winter as well. So you might be able to see two appearances for Lucas Forcell at the World Juniors. Super exciting news there. Your boy, Koskenvo, who you don't you don't watch, but you or you do, I don't know. He's been starting a lot lately too, after some you know questionable you know, it seemed like it was a 50-50 run for him uh, early on in the season. He's starting a lot more games, which is good to see. Uh, and then finally, I just want to bring the name up of Brandon Scanlon, the name that I've brought up a lot. My expectation is that they're up against number seven, Western Michigan. I'm expecting them to get eliminated from the playoffs this weekend. There's a three-game series against Western Michigan. He's with Omaha. I expect them to get knocked out. I think Western Michigan's a better team. Omaha's a good team, but I think Western Michigan's going to beat them. We could see Brandon Scanlon, who I think is the most valuable NCAA free agent for the Vancouver Canucks to sign. He could sign on like Monday. So the Canucks better get ready to to get on the phone. I hope they're already on the phone with him. Local agent here for Scanlon. So I, I, I hope that they can start to make a deal happen with him because I would love to see Scanlon come and play with the outskirt Canucks. 6'4", 220, big boy, left shot defenseman. Uh, and then Jake Livingstone, I'm not sure. I don't think Livingstone's coming out this year. I know a lot of people say like that's the NCAA guy they want from BC. I just don't think he's coming out this year um, from just hearing some sources. I think he's going to go back, work on his game, and uh, and try and be like a very sought-after uh, NCAA free agent. And he will be. Big right-shot defenseman. Again, former Langley Riverman player. Got to see him in the 2019-20 season when I covered the Coquitlam Express. Now, let's have an oral history of the 2019-20 BCHL season and how the Coquitlam Express would have beat the Penticton Vs, and I don't want to hear any otherwise. Uh, yeah, you are you can start your own podcast for that crap. I'm not doing... We're not doing the... You and uh, Eddie Gregory can go to the Coquitlam show. I, I don't like to give love to other podcasts, of course, because this is the only one that people should be listening to, but the latest... I don't even know if it's the latest. The BCHL podcast, they had Ryan Tattle on. Uh, oh, what a Express story captain. Was, yeah. I know. Like, you were there for that. That was cool. That four was goals in the third period. Four Unreal. goals in the third period to storm back and win on his score for cancer, right? Like, the kid, and he's like my age, <laughs> he's, yeah. he's a year younger. He's a year younger. But Ryan Tattle, captain of the Coquitlam Express, is doing the score for cancer initiative. He's raising like $1,000 per point that he scores. Goes out and have like a five or six point night on the score for cancer game. Dude, the how jerseys cool that he is helped it? design. That first goal that he scored on his cancer night, like he goes and he points at it. Was it his mom his and mom sister? His mom who had cancer, His yeah. mom and sister in the stands. He's fired up. He throws a huge fist bump, points at his sister and mom in the stands. Like, dude, puts, it, you know, it makes the hair stand up. I know, it was like, so cool. That was a very cool moment. And then he scores four goals in the third period. <laughs> I know. In real time. I'm going to go watch Matthew Wood again, speaking of BCHL. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to see him uh, on Friday the 25th. In, yeah, because uh, our, our scout reporter, Matthew Wood, yo, our first look. I spoke with some other people who have watched Matthew Wood, and they were in the similar camp. Like, say, you know, yeah, it's it's great. He's putting up a lot of points, but is he one of those guys who just rips out the BCHL? That's a question. Yeah. He's going to have to prove himself to the NCAA, and, and he doesn't move like Newhook and Johnson did, like no. the two guys that studded it up in the BCHL. Wood doesn't move like him. He's got the body like he could go to the next level, but there there needs to be there's some questions about him skating-wise. And he does a back check, but that could just be because he's in the BCHL, yeah. That's right? a, he, you know, he was on uh, six fifty the other day too. He's buddies with Connor Bedard. Okay, yeah, former. Uh, well, he's a current uh, 
My high school. We share high schools. Me and, uh, Does he still go there? Yeah. I guess he's like 16, right? Yeah, he's, he's still We're going like dunking on a 16-year-old's back check. Well, I'm not saying it. you're dunking on his back check. I didn't say that. I just say he's got he's, he's skating. He's got time. Yeah, he's got a lot he's of time to grow. Time. Yeah. Now that you're in the BCHL, he's going to rip it up next year. It's going to yeah. be wild what he does. Hey, when did you stop growing? Uh, Like 14. Wow. Yeah, I had my last growth spurt when I was like 16. So maybe Matthew Wood's going to grow even more. Yeah, I was a stretched out 14-year-old. I'll tell you that. Wow. 6'3"-ish. Six, six, Jeez. Sports were pretty easy. Football was pretty easy at 14. Yeah. I had a, I coached a kid. I coached peewee football when I was like, I think I was in grade 12. And I coached the peewee team, a little bit of money on the side, you know, go out and coach his team, had the wildest offense. I also had a kid. So these peewees, they were like grade six and seven, right? I think, or grade five and six. I had a kid that was six foot four. He was my size. And like, I, when you're on a peewee team, I had a six foot four kid and one of the fastest kids at like the 100 meter dash in the province at his age group. You know how good my team was? Like, it was like, oh, you need three yards. You just give it to like the great five and six, great five and six kids aren't going to be able to bring guy, down a guy who's six four. My team was just like ran through the fastest, one of the fastest kids in the province and one of the biggest kids in the province at his age. And like, I love that too. I saw that kid, I think, ended up growing to be like six foot seven. So oh I remember gosh. seeing him years later. He's working at a liquor store. Wow. Yeah. Good stuff there. Okay. Used to run the wildcat out of there, like teaching these grade five and six kids, just like these wild offenses. We were running a lot of fun stuff with that group. That was a lot of fun. I'm excited for baseball season, not just the MLB season. I'm, I've been working on my bunting. Well, yeah. Good. You know what? You know, I'm a bunting specialist. I yeah. can bunt anything down. Well, yeah, I want to get out and uh, I got to do a little more baseball this year. I, I played, uh, I think my men's league team will be a little bit like the league will be easier. Like you came to the game when there was a Toronto Blue Jays prospect playing because he had nowhere else to play. And then the Jays were like, yeah, just go play like your local team. And he's like playing against us. And it was ridiculous. Yeah, that wasn't a good look for you guys. That was I was I looked at it looked like it was grown men playing against like me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it would be like if they took their little nephews out. But like, I was hey, like you guys the oldest on, on that team, too. I was the oldest on my team. Yeah, I watched you guys. I think I watched like three innings and maybe two times your team made contact with a pitch. Hey, I felt I felt tipped. One. That's what I'm saying. You were one of the only and ones. I bunted who, one. I bunted. Yeah, it wasn't good. It was that was a bad look. And yeah, I think I, I literally <laughs> remember like parking the car, walking up and I was like, oh, I see you. You're playing right field. Like yell at you as I'm walking in, and then like the next pitch is just like launched over the fence right <laughs> over you. Move. You didn't even take a step when I said, "Well, this is gonna be wild." <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for baseball season. Yeah, and the seas, man. I, I like I. Yeah, they're doing a little uh, exhibition against the UBC baseball team. I I checked the UBC men's roster, and I kind of knew this. There's like four or five of my teammates from that team that I had yeah. on the UBC team. Yeah, but we we played UBC one time is, when like when I was in the Pirates with the Nimo. We were like a we were eighteen new team, like we were kids. We were still in high school. We whooped that UBC team that year. Our That's team, so we funny. whooped them. We like, had demolished them because I don't, I don't know if they used wood or metal, but we were using wood at the time, and we just we smashed them. Like we like mercy ruled UBC when it was in my final year. So I don't know. But hopefully the programs improved a little bit. Well, yeah, like if they're taking on the Canadians, they're, they're probably going to be a pretty good team. And, and the issue is, like I just said, we had four UBC players on our team. They were all pitchers, but they were all instructed not to pitch for our team because mm. they had various injuries. Uh, UBC just wanted to like keep them healthy because obviously they did, and our men's league didn't matter that much. But man, like some of these other teams we were playing, like all the UFV players were playing for like Langley and Abbotsford. It was it was crazy the teams we were playing, but it was a fun season. I'm excited for this one. 
Good. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to go and watch some C's games. Have some uh, have some drinks in the sun. Enjoy yeah, a little it's time. Be a lot of fun. We should go to that exhibition. All right, you, you can go for a three foot hot dog. Is that what they got out there? No, I seen Donnie and Dolly. Uh, yeah, Donnie, Dolly, and the team. <laughs> yeah, you and Donnie can. Uh, you and Dolly probably would split a three foot hot dog. Eh? Oh yeah, meet in the middle, Lady in the Tramp style. <laughs> yeah, Dolly, Dolly, and I love doing that. Okay, we'll close call it, it out a, there. Called a yardstick. Is that what it's called? A yard dog, I think. Yard dog. Yeah. Okay. Which a playmaker who owns Nation Network okay. property. Yard Barker is a website that we own. Yard Barker. That's actually helped Canucks Army get more page views, but I'll tell you that off the record because they uh, right. are not off the record, but people on the podcast don't care. But Yard Barker, good little website. All right. Are we uh, wrapping up here? Anything else you got? I think so. I think we're going to wrap it up I'm excited to wear my suit tonight. Yeah, you're going to the game. That's yep. going to be we're exciting worn it. We're recording on Friday, obviously. I wore the, I've only worn it once. Get to pull out the suit tonight. Look, look good tonight. I'm excited to see what you do with the post-game report. Oh, yeah, I forgot I got to do that. Stupid oh, you forgot thing. you have to work. Yeah, I was just expecting to work. You're ready suit. to go to Abbotsford, eat a pretzel dog, and just not do any That's work. what I do out there. No, I get uh, I get quotes. Oh, I get good quotes out there. Which was very so. funny because I texted you. I said, hey, I need you to go to the NHL game. You're like, oh, I don't know. I Like, might be Alex Ovechkin's like, last time you get to see him at Rogers Arena. Or, mm-hmm. like, about to pass Yager on the goals record, potentially. Bruce Boudreaux thinks he's going to do it tonight. Yeah, but, like, I was excited to chat with Jack, see how Jack's doing. <laughs> okay. I used to go to the NHL game. You're like, ah, oh, I don't know. We'll so see. I'm busy, but then I can make some. I can make some changes around. Yeah, you can, you could attend. Well, I was, NHL I was I was I was I was going to go out to uh, a pre dinner at Lou's. I still haven't been to this place out in Abbotsford called Lou's. I hear so good good stuff about it. Buddy of mine out in Abbotsford. I was supposed to go to dinner with him pregame, so I was all excited for that. And then and I get, get the call work. here. Quads is up. He's going mountain biking in the freaking mountains or something, and he's going up to Whistler for the weekend. I don't know. He's got all this money all of a sudden. I don't know where it's coming from. You got the pork rinds, but you're, you're acting like Harmon the way you've been acting. You're going up in Whistler trips and dining out, drinking Hennessy. It's wild. Also, for those wondering, Harmon wasn't on today's episode because he had to go to Morning Skate. He will be here on the midweek episode, though. We're yep. getting our money's worth. Harmon's going to well, come. We're saving some money, too, not having him on yeah. here. He's his freaking right that he's doing. Yeah, exactly. Harm Har- drank Hennessy every day he was in New York. <laughs> All right. We'll close it out there. For my co-host, Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.